Hey everybody. This is House of Hope podcast series, presented by Gotham and House of Hope. Today Deacon Oleg Benga Adalola will discuss the Christian and the Holy Spirit, part 3 with us. Amen. I'm blessed be his glorious name forever. And let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen. Amen and amen. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for a time to be in your presence again this morning. Holy Spirit, thank you because you're already here. Oh Lord, I ask that you speak to your people this morning. Let me decrease. Let you increase. Let only the name of our Lord Jesus Christ be glorified in, our pre- in the presence of your people this morning. Let people be blessed and let people be saved. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Welcome to House of Hope. This is a place where hope becomes manifestation. This is a place that is being directed only by the Holy Spirit. Welcome to the service today. As always, the Lord has ordered your steps here this morning. Um, I want you to say to a neighbor or say to yourself that I will hear what the Lord will say to me this morning. Again, say to another person, just so you can have a witness, and say, I will hear what the Lord will say to me this morning. Amen. Amen. Because it's the Lord who is speaking to you, not Olubenga Atalola. So when you go back and listen to the message, you're listening to what the Lord is saying to you. Amen. Amen. So let's have a brief recap. We started the focus on um, the Christian and the Holy Spirit. Um, Some weeks ago, we had two parts. We started by laying the foundation about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, the work of the Holy Spirit amongst the men and the women in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit has promised to us in the Old Testament, and then the Holy Spirit has promised to us um, by Jesus Christ himself. Like I shared when we began, I strongly believe that our prayer lives will change as we go through this focus. It'll change in what we pray for, and it will change in how we pray. We emphasize that the importance of the Holy Spirit to successful Christian living cannot be overemphasized. The Holy Spirit empowers the believer to live victoriously daily. As a matter of fact, no one can live the Christian life without the supernatural help of the Holy Spirit. We also said that, therefore, we cannot survive this Christian life without the Holy Spirit. We then asked ourselves what this meant, and I shared my takeaway from this is that if my life is going topsy-turvy, or if my life is just not aligning with what I understand the Word of God is saying, well then probably it's because I am not asking or depending on the Holy Spirit. Amen. We then talked about what the Holy Spirit, or who the Holy Spirit is, as he was described to us by Jesus Christ himself. We talked about the fact that he is our aid, somebody who is with us, who is right next to us. And we share that, or Holy Spirit wanted me to share with someone that if the Holy Spirit or God is close to you or is that close to you, who or what else do you need? Then we saw from scripture how the Holy Spirit was right there from the beginning, from creation, before God began to say, let there be light or anything, we saw that the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters of the deep. we read ahead to see accounts in the, uh, in the New Testament, but still in the dispensation of the law, how we saw at the Jordan, we saw the Holy Spirit be manifested 
we saw Jesus Christ as a second member of the Godhead, and then we heard the Father speaking. So therefore we saw that there is a Trinity right there in the Bible, amen. Then we, we read about how the Holy Spirit was promised to us in the Old Testament. We read, the, the, read Joel, uh, Prophet Joel saying that, you know, in a time coming, this is what the Holy Spirit is going to do. Letting us know that even though the Holy Spirit was with us or with saints in the Old Testament, there was something greater that the Holy Spirit was going to do in the future, which is our age. Amen. Finally, we read how Jesus Christ himself promised the Holy Spirit to us as the helper that would abide in us forever. We saw that in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon people at a certain time for a specific task, but he was not always abiding with them forever. But Jesus Christ promised us that he was going to send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, to abide with us forever. Amen. And that he would not dwell just with us, but that he would dwell in us. We concluded by saying that Jesus Christ was not confused or being suggestive or presumptuous when he said he will send the Holy Spirit. He said he will send us the Holy Spirit because he knows that we need him in our daily lives and our daily walk. And he knew that in order for us to live in this world, we would not be able to do that. Or we would, in order for us to live in this world, we have to have the Holy Spirit with us. So it was not a nice to have, or the Holy Spirit is not a nice to have. It's not something that we want to engage the Spirit of God on a Sunday and then live six days without him. No, it wasn't like, okay, I'll send you the Holy Spirit so that on any day you're feeling weak, then, you know, depend on the Holy Spirit. No, we are always meant to depend on the Holy Spirit. Amen. And then in part two, we continued our focus and uh, we're meant to understand that every believer, once you're born again, you receive the Holy Spirit through the process of regeneration and that the Holy Spirit is dwelling on the inside of us. And we emphasized that if the Holy Spirit is dwelling on the inside of us, we are now the temple of God. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. We said, if we are the temple of God and we carry the Holy Spirit, we carry him wherever we go. The places we're supposed to go, the places we're not supposed to go, you are carrying the Holy Spirit with you anywhere you go as a regenerated believer. We also established the truth that it is important for us to know that while regeneration is instant, transformation, on the other hand, is progressive. That means that whatever we become or we choose to become after becoming a believer, after becoming saved, is really, really mostly up to us. Amen. We then moved our focus to the work of the Holy Spirit in the Christian life. We established that the Holy Spirit is a person, not a thing, not a phantom. And it's not just a person, but he is the third person of the Godhead. And we talked about some of the attributes that can be ascribed to God and that these attributes are also ascribed to the Holy Spirit as a person. The fact that we ascribe eternity and self-existence to him. We ascribe omnipresence to him. And, excuse me. Right? We said wherever we go. We read um, in the book of Psalm where David said, if I go to hell, you are there. If I'm heaven, you are there. Where can I run from your presence? And the Spirit of God ministered to us, talking to all of us or to someone in particular that don't know where it is you're trying to hide from God. You cannot run away from him. Is it that you run into his love or you run into 
his love and his grace, or you run into his judgment, but ultimately no one, no person can run away from God. We talked about his um, omnipotence and the fact that he was able to engender the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. It was the Holy Spirit that came upon the Virgin Mary and conceived in a body that our Lord, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ um, came through. We talked about his omniscience, that he knows all things, right? Who knows us better than God and ourselves? Sometimes it's nice for us to say we know ourselves, but is it really true? Can we know ourselves better than God? And then we talked about the fact that he is the creator. We saw in Genesis that the Holy Spirit was there and it was present through the process of creation. And then we had further references to show that as a person, a person usually has a personal name. And we saw that the Holy Spirit is called the Holy Spirit of God. He's called the Spirit of Christ. And it's also referred to as the Holy Spirit of promise. And we said, if we know the Holy Spirit is a person, how should that impact our relationship with him? If you know the attributes of someone and you know who that person is, that usually dictates the relationship. And we said that our relationship with him or attitude towards him should be that of reverence and obedience and submission. And then we ended the last time by noting one thing that the Holy Spirit does in the life of a Christian. That was the first time we stopped. And the first thing we touched upon was the fact that the Holy Spirit teaches the Christian the true interpretation of the word. John 14, 16 says he will teach us all things. And we emphasize that it is when the word of God is properly understood that it yields fruit. Therefore, you cannot apply the word unless you understand it. And you cannot understand unless the Holy Spirit teaches you. So today we shall continue with the work of the Holy Spirit in the Christian life, discussing some other things that the Holy Spirit does in the life of a Christian. So point number two. He helps the Christian to pray far beyond his human comprehension and limitation. Um, as human beings, we have the limitation of understanding or knowing everything. Is anybody here who can say that they know everything? Anyone? Okay. Does anybody say that they can do everything? Anyone here? No. So therefore, as human beings, we are limited. I read from Romans 8.26. It says, Likewise, the Spirit helps in our weakness, for we do not know when we should pray, what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So therefore, to be successful in a Christian life, you should be a prayer warrior. You must learn how to pray in the Spirit, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Ephesians 6, 18 says, always praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And Jude 20 says, but you beloved building yourselves up on the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Uh, we learned in the previous focus about what Jesus Christ did, and I think we, we, it was very extensive in how to pray and when to pray about setting, himself, uh, setting some time aside. So I would encourage us to go and listen to that message uh, or that part of the, the series uh, that, you know, Brother Pastor Farmer King led. Amen. So the third point is what? Is that the Holy Spirit guides the Christian. 
And I read, it says a Christian or a child of God must be led by the spirit. When you were not saved, you were then being led by demons or devils and your flesh. But now that you are saved, it is the spirit of God who should lead you. Let's read Romans 8 verses 13 and 14 together. Romans 8 verses 13 and 14. All right, let's do it together. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Amen. I know we often quote the, you know, the, the 14 verse, but the 13 verse is equally as important as the 14 verse where it says, for if you live by the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Then for as many as are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. So that is telling us the things that we need to do. And we shared earlier about the fact that we put the flesh the way the, 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 the dealings of the flesh, when we do that is by, by prayer and fasting, right? So this scripture tells me that the measure by which my, in quote, Christian maturity is measured is not by my title. It's not by what I'm doing at church. It's not by how many years I've been saved. It's not by if I have a biblical name. It tells me that the level of my Christian maturity is by how much I am being led by the spirit of God. Scripture didn't say for as many as are appointed in the fivefold ministry. No, it didn't say for as many as have the gifts of the Holy spirit. No, it says for as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So therefore, if I'm looking at any other standard, if I have any other metric or any other indicator that I'm looking at to say, okay, I think I'm, I think I'm more mature now because, um, you know, I'm dressing differently, which is not a bad thing, or uh, I'm more mature now because I've now been appointed or I now lead prayer or I now preach on the, on the pulpit. I'm fooling myself. I'll be really, really fooling myself. It's not about those things that people see. It's about what God sees on the inside and whether or not I'm being led by the Spirit. I can come up here and preach a fantastic sermon, but if this is not what the Lord wants me to say, then I'm not really mature. I'm just doing my own thing. Amen. So uh, it was an example once I was driving at night to um, someone's graduation. Uh, it was a route that I'd never been on before. So obviously I was using my, uh, my GPS, but it was very late at night. And I noticed that there was a, there was a car falling into two headlights behind me. Um, I was curious. The reason why I knew that that car was following me was because, you know, when I slowed down, the car would keep a specific kind of distance. And when I sped up, the car would keep the same moving on to the same distance, which is fine. It's something that is common. When you're driving at night, you want to find an anchor, right? To say, okay, let this person lead the way. If something happens to the person, at least it'll happen to the person first before it happens to me, right? I mean, we've all sort of kind of done that. Um, but it was interesting because we now finally got to a particular point. So I put on my, my inner light and I just waved the person to say hello and the person said bye to. So obviously the person felt comfort in knowing that there was somebody in front of them that was leading and I was guiding them. 
And I felt good. I was like, okay, Lord, maybe you sent me to be an angel to this person. I've done my job. Um, but that's how leading happens in the natural sense, right? Talk less of in the spiritual. Um, even, though, even though that person probably also had a GPS and they knew where they were going, but they didn't really know what the terrain was going to be like. So they needed somebody who was going to be in front of them to guide them. And that's not the Holy Spirit. Even, even when we may have seen or God may have shown us where it is that we need to go, we don't always know that terrain of how we're going to get there. And that's why the Holy Spirit is important for us to guide us every step of the way. Uh, there was a particular part of the, of the journey where the road was, you know, it was under construction. So I had to be very careful and I was being led by the Spirit. So <laughs> I believe, so that person too was, was, you know, was following me. But that's the importance and that's how, you know, why we need the Holy Spirit to guide us, not just in telling us this is where you should go to, but in leading us every step of the way so that if there's a spot, if it's a pothole, we can avoid it. If we need to slow down, we'll slow down. If we need to speed up, we will speed up. Amen. So, when Jesus Christ was here on earth, he was led by the Holy Spirit. And we saw in him what God could do. The Bible says in Luke chapter 1, sorry, Luke chapter 4, verse 1, and I read, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where he was tempted three times. And he had to be tempted three times because he came as the second Adam, the second representative of mankind. So, you know, the three things that the, uh, the woman in the garden was tempted against, excuse me, he had to be tempted in those same ways as a representative of mankind. So, um, but he came out triumphantly. And um, let's see if we can read through this real quickly here. Just looking at our times. So, yeah, let's read through this real quickly. I'll, I'll read through it real quickly. It says uh, from verse 2. Um, Luke chapter four, verse two, it says that Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days and uh, 40 days by the devil. And in those days, he ate nothing. And afterward, when he had ended, they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil taking him up to a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give to you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship before me, all will be yours. And notice that Jesus Christ didn't deny that, he, that those, those things were, were the devil. And he said, and answered him and said to him, get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Nine, then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you and in their hands shall they bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him and said to him, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Amen. So, Christians who are led by the Spirit will overcome all the wiles and the temptations of the devil, even when he's throwing scripture at you. Even when he's throwing scripture at you, right? He wasn't telling him to um, go and do something else, but 
if he's being led by the Spirit, he needs to do what the Spirit of God tells him. So even then the Scripture says something else that doesn't align with what the Spirit of God says to him, he sticks with what the Spirit of God says to him or what the Spirit of God has asked him to do. Amen. And there was a quote from A.C. Dixon. Uh, for those who may not know who A.C. Dixon is, uh, A.C. stands for Amzi Clarence Dixon, who was a Baptist pastor, a Bible expositor, an evangelist who was popular during the late 19th and 20th century. Uh, with R.A. With Torrey, he edited an influential series of essays published uh, as The Fundamentals, which gave Christian fundamentalism its name. So he's one of our, you know, one of those, pe one of those, you know, people who are, you know, uh, credited to have started, uh, you know, the, the fundamentals. But there's a quote from him, and I read: "When we rely on orga an organization, we get what that organization can do. When we rely on upon education, we get what education can do. When we rely on eloquence, we get what eloquence can do. But when we rely on the Holy Spirit," then we get what God can do. Amen. Amen. So it's important to understand who is our savior, who's called us to salvation. Is it this local church? Is it the pastor? Is it myself? Um, no, it's none of those things. It's God who has called you, and therefore we need to rely on the Holy Spirit. Amen. So the fourth point, which probably is where we may end today, but let's see, um, is that the Holy Spirit empowers the believer for character development. And I read, it says, the fruits of the Spirit reform the believer's character and make him or her, or her more and more like Christ. It was shared today in, in, in the Sunday school, and this is how I know that the Spirit of God is, is, is speaking to us, because it, you know, what we hear on Wednesday, what we hear in the Sunday school, what we hear today, I didn't plan it that way. Uh, but it's all reinforcing the same thing. It was shared today that as Christians, we sometimes send a rock signal to the world. Would we agree? Why is, why is that the case? Because sometimes our life doesn't really align with what we, what we preach or what we say or what they know that the word of God says. Um, we're going to read scripture because, again, this is the spirit of God that is speaking to us. And we're going to read uh, Galatians. 5, 16 through 26 together. I'm going to read Galatians 5, 16 through 26 together. And then after that, we're going to read James 1, 21 through 25. But Galatians 5, 16 through 26, let's read it together. Let's go. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, Envy, murders, drunkenness, reveries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in the time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, 
peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, having one another. So James chapter 1, verses 21 through 25. Let's read it together. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself and then goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this is will one will be blessed in what he does. Amen. And then finally, let's read this together. Second Corinthians 13 verses four through six. Second Corinthians 13 verses four through six. Let's go. For though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we are also weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. But I trust that you will know that you are not disqualified. Amen. So the scripture is talking about, uh, we read in, in James, it says, you know, somebody who hears the word and doesn't do the word is like somebody who just goes to the mirror. You see that there's, you know, maybe there's a stain on your shirt in the mirror. Um, maybe you drop some ketchup or whatever. And then you go where you don't do anything about it. Um, but that's not the point of the, the word of God. The point of the word of God is not just to point us and to say, okay, this is how you are. This is how you're not supposed to. You are then the one who is meant to take action in asking God to transform you. If we know that regeneration is instant, but transformation is progressive, after the word of God in the mirror has shown you who you are in the light of God's word, you're not supposed to just say, okay, that's cool. You're supposed to do something about it. The same way when you see there's something wrong with your face in the mirror, you fix it. If you see there's something misaligned with your dress in the mirror, you fix it. You don't just walk away because, okay, now I know that this is like that. And the important thing here is when we read the fruit of the spirit, um, it's important to understand that we're not supposed to be satisfied with just doing one of those things, right? Sometimes by the flesh, we have some natural propensities and we can say, you know what? Uh, you know, I just know how to suffer long. Um, I know how to be kind. I know how to be good. I know how to have self-control. Sometimes maybe you'll be able to do maybe just two of them naturally but you can never do all of them naturally. You can never do any of them naturally. Um, and even those you do naturally of the flesh, they don't count towards righteousness. 
because you're doing them out of your own energy, you're doing them out of your own physical or natural disposition. So, you know, how, how, do, I, how do I know that, right? Because the Word of God talks about how our righteousness is like filthy rags before him. So even if when you're able to like maybe do a couple of these things, it's like, who are we really deceiving, right? Same way too, you can look at the works of the flesh. It's not about the fact that, oh, at least I'm not doing one of them. No, just like the fruit of the spirit, it should be, I am I living according to all of the fruit of the spirit. The same way we should ask ourselves, am I not living according to everything that is of the works of the flesh? It's not meant to be selective. It's meant to be absolute, one whole thing, not partially. And yes, by the grace of God, sometimes it's easy for us to say similarly works of the flesh and say, you know what? You know, we have a natural propensity, at least I don't lie. And maybe you're not somebody, but you cannot avoid not having all the works of the flesh by your own natural strength. You can only do that by the Holy Spirit. So the question then becomes, or let me say this. The thing about the Christian life, and I'm no pastor, I do, I said this before, is that the Christian life is not an improvement on our old life. It is not an improvement, it's not an addition. It's not a repackaging. It's not the rebranding. That old life is a life of sin and it's a life of death. No life can come from that life. That's why God had to give his own life for that life. Right? Second Corinthians 5.17. If we can read that, let's read it together. Second Corinthians 5, chapter 17. Sorry, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Excuse me. Let's read it together. It says what? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Second Peter 1, so uh, Second Peter also says that, but you are now a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, who has called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Sing the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So it's darkness and it's light. The old life is darkness. It's not, there's no gray area. It's either it's darkness or it is the light. So the question then becomes, right, if, if that is true, when was the last time when we prayed that we had looked at the mirror of the word of God, the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit, and we've told the Lord and said, Lord, I see that my life, I don't exhibit all the fruit of the spirit. I need you to help me. Or conversely, when was the last time we prayed and said, Lord, I look at the works of the flesh. Yes, it's true. I don't do maybe eight out of nine or whatever, but this one thing, I need you to help me. It's a very intentional process. It's a very painful process, but it's a very necessary process for us as believers because that is the standard. Uh, let me give an example. Um, <laughs> I know that people like that are not, are not at this church, but they are, you know, there's sometimes there's people that, for whatever reason, I cannot phantom. When they go shopping, they leave their carts in the middle of the parking lot. 
a very big pet peeve. If I were God, I would have a special place for them. Anyways. <laughs> but you see that example, right? I have used my own personal thing to create some kind of ideology, some kind of religion. So anytime I see somebody who does that, I'm like, thank God I don't leave my cart in the parking lot. It's the same way we do with spiritual things. Where we choose to create our own standard outside of what the standard of God has given to us. But we are meant for change, right? God doesn't, yes, come as you are, but the Lord doesn't expect you to leave the same. And I believe the Spirit of God is telling us Christians, including myself, that we need to start living as believers and stop doing church. That is where we can make a difference. Um, it's going to be painful, sure, but Jesus Christ has died for it, and the Holy Spirit is there to energize us to do it. So, amen. Um, I'm going to quote from our Kingdom Life series from Wednesdays. Um, it says, um, the Beatitudes come as a whole, not as a series of options. Every Christian is intended to show every grace. There was a conclusion that I copied from there. Excuse me. It says, knowing how corrupt the heart of a man is and the fact that God cannot be impressed by outward appearance, but looks inside the heart of man to judge him, it becomes critical for you to look intently to God for help over the condition of your heart as we continue this study. So why is that? Because self-evaluation is necessary. And if we established in the previous uh, um, session that Holy Spirit knows all things, then we need to work with him to show us all these things in our own personal self-evaluation. If we don't actively do that, God is not going to come and force you. Like we, like we heard this morning, we are free moral agents. We can choose whatever we want to do. But we will be held accountable for whatever it is. Right? So again, the question is, do we ask the Holy Spirit and say, why am I not doing this thing I'm supposed to be doing? Or why am I doing this thing I am not supposed to be doing? Examine yourselves if you're still in the faith. It's very necessary. Psalm 51, verses 10 to 12. And want us to read this together. Psalm 51, verses 10 to 12. Let's read. It says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me by your generous spirit. We read in the Old Testament that the Spirit of Holy Spirit usually comes upon people for a brief period of time. But ours is not the case. He is always present within us. Always present within us. So we need to constantly ask Him for His help. And I think we're going to stop after this verse and then we'll just pray. Um, Philippians 4, 8. Let's read that together. Philippians 4, 8. All right, let's read this on the screen. Finally, brethren, 
whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. This is a prescription for us on how to also build our character. You know, as a man thinks, so easy, right? The things that we behold, the things that we ingest are the gateway to our soul. If you hear a, you know, a sad song, it makes you feel sad. If you hear an upbeat song, it makes you feel upbeat. Why? Because your emotions will, you know, stay in your soul, right? Your, your emotions, your, your soul is your mind, your will, and your mind, will, and emotions, right? Same thing too. The things that we meditate on determine the condition of our soul. And what of God is telling us that we should meditate on anything that fits what he's just said here. Whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is just. Most of the time, you won't find that on TV or in the news. You won't find it there. You won't find it there. If you do, let me know, text me. <laughs> you won't find it there. Because the world is controlled by the devil. You won't find it there. Again, I'm not saying that we should go home and smash TV. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying that we need to have a filter for what comes into our soul. So we're going to pray this morning and then we'll... We'll round up because, again, like I said, I believe that what the Holy Spirit is doing or has done, continues to do with this focus is that our prayer life is going to change. The things that we pray for and how we pray as believers in this Christian walk has to change in order for us to be successful. So um, uh, we're going to pray. However you want to pray, if you want to stand up, if you want to kneel down. It's between you and God. I'm going to, you know, mention a couple of prayer points and then yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll round up the service. The first prayer point is that we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to subject our will to God. Right? Yes, we're free, we're free moral agents, which means we can decide what we want to do. But we saw that we've read so many, so many, shared so many times about how the flesh wars against the spirit. So we're going to ask the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, help me to subject my will to God. Let us pray. Let it not be of me, Lord. Let it be of you. Let it, let it be your will, according to your will, according to you. I don't want to be God in my life, Lord. I want you to be God. I'm going to subject my will, as painful as it is, oh Lord, to you and to you alone, Lord. Second prayer point, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to help us not to be comfortable with sin or the loss of the flesh. Let us pray. Lord, we ask, oh Lord, we've read the works of the flesh. We've read those works in, in your word. We know them to be true. Spirit of God, help us not to be comfortable, not to form a second standard in our personal lives, to try and shy away from your standard. 
oh Lord. Let your light shine in our hearts, oh Lord. Help us not to be comfortable. Help us not to be, help us to be uneasy with the things that are works of the flesh. We're also going to ask the Holy Spirit to let there not be any blurred lines in my life, but clear boundaries aligned with the Word of God. It's on the screen. Let there not be blurred lines in my life, but clear boundaries. Let's pray. Oh Lord, I ask, oh Lord, that we don't create gray areas in our lives. Let us not, let us not create excuses, oh Lord. Let there not be blurred lines. Let there be straight lines that set boundaries. That set boundaries in this life, Lord. Spirit of God, help us. Help us, for we are we cannot do this of our own self. Help us. Prayer point number four. I ask the Holy Spirit to expose all areas of my life that don't align with the fruit of the Spirit and those that align with the works of the flesh. Let us pray. Oh Lord, I ask that you will shine light into, into my heart, into our hearts. Into my heart. It's not about what people see, what people don't see. It's about what is true, what is inside my heart. Spirit of God, you search all things. Search within me. Search within me and show me the truth and the ways that I'm not aligning with yours, with the fruit of spirit and the ways that I'm aligning with works of faith. Expose them to me. Let me not deceive myself. Let me not walk in self-deception, regardless of what anybody sees or thinks. Not about my title, not about how long I've been a believer, not by me standing on the pulpit to preach. No, Lord, we are all your children. And then finally, we're going to ask, pray this for yourself and say, you know, I ask the Holy Spirit to help me in the areas of my weakness and help me align with God's will um, and God's life, which is one life. We have one life in Christ. There's no, there's no life on Sunday, life on Monday, life at work, um, life at school, life at church. We have one life in Christ. Let us pray. Oh Lord, I ask, oh Lord, Spirit of God, I thank you this morning for speaking to us. And finally, if you're here, you're joining us online, and maybe you've struggled with 
trying to live a life that you know is godly. Maybe you've seen yourself fall or you've just seen things not right in your life. You know, you know, there you believe that there's a God and you know that, you know, I, I but I don't know how to live a life that I believe is pleasing to God. But God is calling you this morning for he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for your sins, for the sins of everyone, including myself, on the cross of Calvary. For God so loved the world, I sent his only begotten son into the world, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world will be saved. All have sinned and come to the glory of God. So God is speaking to you this morning, and he wants to step into uh, his kingdom and step into his life and receive his salvation, right? I want to lead you in a very short prayer. Say, Father, God, I come to you now. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died for my sins. I believe that you raised him again on the third day. I receive the gift of salvation that he has given to me now. And I receive him today as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer, you are now regenerated. You may look very same when you look into your, into the mirror, but your spirit has been changed and has been transformed, has been regenerated. But then you need to follow the process of transformation, studying the Word of God, reading the Word of God, and fellowshipping with God's people. If you don't have a home in church, I encourage you to be here, but let the Spirit of God lead you to a place where you should, where you should fellowship. Father, Lord, I thank you this morning. Spirit of God, thank you for speaking to us. Uh, I pray, O Lord, that you, O Lord, have been glorified this day, O Lord. Spirit of God, thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for speaking to us. And we know that what we've heard today would carry us or will carry through the week, O Lord, and for the rest of our lives, Lord. We thank you and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Hallelujah. If you're in the Washington, D.C. region, visit in person at our address. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us in our social media. God bless you.